Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. In Finland, sisu is a concept that while it can't be strictly translated into English, roughly corresponds to a combination of bravery, resilience, grit, and determination. My guest today will help us unpack it further and offers advice on how everyone can live a life with more sisu. Her name is Joanna Nyland, and she's the author of Sisu, The Finnish Art of Courage. Joanna explains what sisu is and how it was exemplified in the David and Goliath story of the Finns facing down the Russians during the Winter War. We then talk about what it is about Finland that birthed the quality of sisu and ways to develop even if you're not Finnish, including embracing discomfort, getting out despite the weather, and seeking silence and solitude as a way to develop inner strength. We also talk about the Finnish practice of retreating to a rustic cabin in the summer to reacquaint oneself with simplicity, manual labor, and nature. And we end our conversation with the sisu way of communication and how to foster sisu in children. After the show's over, check out our show notes at awim.is slash sisu. Joanna joins you now via clearcast.io. All right, Joanna Nyland, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brett. So you are the author of a book called Sisu, The Finnish Art of Courage. We've written about Sisu on the site before, mm-hmm. and you say this, it's like this untranslatable Finnish word. So I'm going to ask you how to translate Sisu into English. What is Sisu? Well, I would say perhaps if if you would ask me for like one single definition, I would say stubborn determination. I think that that probably covers most bases, but it it's also I think for me personally the closest one would be resilience. There's a lot of tenacity in there and but also a kind of courage. So that's why I argue that not only is sisu kind of untranslatable from Finnish, we kind of need one word to cover all those different aspects, in my opinion. How long has this word been around? Is it a relatively new word or has it been around in Finland for a long time? It's been around for like a really long time. I think the earliest written record was from 500 years ago, but that's just the, the written record. So I would guess, you know, it, it feels like it's been part of us forever <laughs> and certainly part of our vernacular and and our identity. So I think I think probably from like, time immemorial basically it's it's been impossible to trace all right so sisu it's like a grit a determination a courage all those things in one mm-hmm. and i think i think really to understand sisu you, you can't really say it in words and even Finns, like th- they say you, well if you ask a Finn, like what is sisu and they're like i can mm-hmm. show you what sisu is but i can't yeah, describe yeah. it so mm-hmm. let's let's try to like describe sisu with some action i think the story that we've written about on the site that i think really captures this idea of Sisu was it's from the history of Finland. It was during World War II, and this is the Winter War against the Russians. Mm-hmm. For those who aren't familiar yeah. with the Winter War, can you walk us through it and how you think yeah. that exemplifies Sisu? Okay, so yeah, basically what happened was that in the winter of 1939, the Soviet Union attacked Finland. And obviously, you know, Finland was was and still is a very small country. Now there's about five and a half million of us. And I think back then it was probably less than four and versus the Soviet Union, which was obviously, you know, a superpower. And the Russians had three times as many troops and I think 30 times as many aircraft and 100 times more tanks. 
And basically Finland had nothing, you know, even the, the reserves that had to be called in, they weren't like uniforms for everyone. So people had to bring their own clothes and they had to make these like white camouflage clothing out of like bed linen, basically. And, and it was all really like a, a do it yourself kind of war, but we decided to fight it anyway, because it was basically for our sovereignty, you know, that was what was at stake. And in the, I think in the global press, I think it was maybe the, the New York Times or someone who who, who called it a, a David versus Goliath kind of situation, because the odds were just completely hopelessly stacked against Finland from from day one. But we kind of, we, I mean, I wasn't obviously part of it, but <laughs> this is something we feel very passionately about in Finland. What what we did was was basically to use our small size to our advantage to to try to be as have as much ingenuity as possible when it came to to how to defend ourselves which basically meant you know guerrilla tactics and and trying to make all those very scant resources go as far as they possibly could and Finns, we, we did have an advantage, you know, being in, in our own country and knowing how to ski and use snowshoes and, and, and knowing the landscape and, and things like that obviously worked to our advantage. But nobody, I think, least of, least of all us, expected it to go as well as it did because we, we lasted for from November 39 to March 1940. We did eventually have to, uh, to to cede some territory to to the Soviet Union, but we didn't lose our our independence, our sovereignty, and we didn't lose nearly as many men as the Soviets did. And I think that the, the figures are somewhere around twenty five thousand Finns versus two hundred thousand Russians, and and this kind of changed not only. I think our our sort of the course of our future, but also the course of the war, according to some, because you know, for those of, of uh, listening who know their World War II history, they know that Hitler, you know, he decided to attack the Soviet Union with the uh, Operation Barbarossa, and he did that basically because he felt that they must be pretty weak if Finland can beat them, you know. <laughs> so, and that was obviously the beginning of the end for him. But for us, this has been, you know, like a really a pivotal time and a pivotal moment because I think even the decision to just to even decide, you know, to to fight under those circumstances, to actually try, is it was an act of CISO, most definitely. I mean, so like, there's a lot of things you can take from that, like that can tell mm-hmm. you about what it means to have Sisu. So, and what are some like takeaways that you got from that experience that mm-hmm. kind of exemplifies Sisu? Well, obviously, you know, that stubborn determination never to give up, even in the face of absolutely impossible odds. I mean, that's what I think, that's the one definition that I think most Finns would agree on. Because then if you ask, I mean, people have all kinds of definitions of SISU and, and for some it's it's a very personal thing. But I think that's that's the one, like you just go through, you, you go through, you know, hell and high water to 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 just stick to what you've decided and and to win the day, basically. So that's that's obviously one, and then I think another one is really to use your perceived weakness to your advantage, and to think outside the box. You know, to to really get creative on when when you come up against different obstacles, and and to sort of let them challenge you instead of take away your courage. Those are just a few from the of the top of my head. 
And so, I mean, this, okay, this, this moment is pivotal in Finland, but again, what we've been talking about, Sisu, is a, this is a concept or an idea that's ingrained in your culture and like kids mm-hmm. pick it up. Like, mm-hmm. why, why do you think, why, what is it about Finland that, you know, re, what do you think led to developing this idea of Sisu? Well, that's a really good question because it's, like I said, you know, we've had it for such a long time, but I think, I think definitely the climate probably has a lot to do with it <laughs> because it's it's kind of been tough you know we we have nice summers and and all that but but on the whole it's kind of i think it must have been a very difficult country to settle you know back in the day and to to scratch a living out of the earth and and all those things so probably you would have needed a certain kind of hardiness and definitely tenacity and a tendency to to want to stick things out just to stay basically and i'm sure that goes for a, a lot of the nordics and 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 other cold regions of the world but i think that and then perhaps in more recent history we've been like like one guy that i interviewed for the book he said that well you've been either colonized or invaded you know <laughs> like that's that's probably going to going to you know have 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 an effect on your attitude towards life and and towards how you see yourself and and I agree I think I think history plays a big role but also the climate and and probably something else you know like an x factor like you know what what is it that defines a certain people what is it that gives them a character that that lets you tell them apart from others I mean I don't know it's it's maybe something a bit mysterious as well but what's interesting so Sisu's is like sort of grit determination you would think you know very like stone-faced stoic and just you know but but (laughs) um, Finns are some of the happiest people in the world according to some reports (laughs) yeah do you think Sisu yeah do you think Sisu has something to do with that yeah, I do. I do think it has a lot to do with that. But you know, that always makes me laugh because when I think it's we've been like we, we've been the happiest country in the world for like the third year running now, and people here just scoff. You know, when they, when they see that, they're like, like really, we're not happy. Everybody knows we're not happy because first of all, I think people mistake you know what what is meant by happiness. You know, in the happiness index, which I think is is more a sense of satisfaction with life basically and and a sense of security and and a sense of self-determination and all those things i think that's that's what is really measured um in that happiness index and and that's where we rank really high and and i think people would agree if it was phrased more like that but it's just that the word happy kind of rings very you know has a very strange ring to a lot of Finns because we're not we're not a carnival kind of people you know we're, we're quite we're quite serious and and unsmiling on the whole i mean there are individual differences and and all that but yeah so that's that's a funny thing because i get interviewed about that sometimes and it's always like the reaction in finland is always like they should come here and see what it's like if they think we're the happiest people <laughs> so th- there is that but i think definitely you know i mean what is it that 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 makes people happy like in, in that in a deep deeply felt sense i think you know having a society that you're proud of and and a society where you feel like there is an opportunity for me to fulfill my dreams or at least try you know and and to be safe and for my kids to be safe for them to have good schooling for for just a general sense that things are running well you know and we can trust our government and and those things so i i think I think CISO has definitely built, you know, the society that we now have. That That is my firm belief anyway. Well, I think that's an interesting point. So I think when oftentimes when Americans think of like CISO and grit, they're going to think of, because we're individualistic, 
everything. Well, it's mm-hmm. an individual trait, but you describe Sisu. There's like a a collective sense. There's a group yeah. Sisu as well. I mean, you can see that with the mm-hmm. the Winter War. Like that wasn't just there was yeah. individuals who exemplified Sisu, but they also had to exemplify Sisu as a group. Mm, they did, yeah. And I think in general too, my my grandmother, who was a young mother when the war broke out, she said she always said that that people came together like like at no time before. She'd never seen anything like it before or since. Just that sense of community, you know, that that for this time we need to to uh, pull together. We need to set our differences aside and we need to come together and just, you know, be as one. And, you know, I mean, we're in difficult times right now, right? I mean, the, the world. And I think, I think this is my own personal theory that, that basically nations that that aren't as divided are probably doing a bit better you know in fighting covid because because it it does require that kind of community thinking and and you know one for all for one and one for all and i feel that you know that's that's what community CISO is about is that you you know you go through something difficult but you go through it together and you try to be there for one another so in the book, you have a section that I had a lot of fun with where you describe <laughs> how the way Sisu is used in language, right? How parents talk yeah. to their kids about Sisu. And there's like, there's like Sisu yeah. sayings that mm. you know, kind of like pump up sayings. What, can you walk some of, the, some of these Finnish sayings about Sisu? Yeah, well, there's there's one. Uh, there's a few that I mentioned in the book. There's one called Sisulaya Sudamella, which is with Sisu and heart. And, and that's something that you see kind of used a lot. Because it basically is, you know, that's what we want to, that's what we want to embody. That's how we want to live. You know, we want to have sisu and we want to have hearts. And and then I think I mentioned this lapi harman kiven, which is literally means going through the gray stone. And, and the gray stone referred to is, is granite, gray granite, which we have a lot of in Finland. And it's really, really hard. And, and you know, that that kind of, the, it doesn't mention the word sisu, but it's a very sisu saying in the sense that, that that's how we feel that you you just we're just gonna like go through this rock basically if that's what it takes you know yeah and I think there was something else but I I can't remember <laughs> you have it there in front of you yeah and one thing I liked is that you know parents tell their kids like you know like like the best compliment a kid can get is when a parent yeah. says you have sisu like, yeah yeah like, yeah makes a kid's day yeah yeah it, it makes you sort of grow you know ten inches at least yeah <laughs> as a kid. We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. And now back to the show. Well, let's talk about some ways people can cultivate Sisu in their own lives, even if they don't live in mm-hmm. Finland. Yeah. And so the most obvious way I think people can like develop Sisu is like, well, I'll just do uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. So how do Finns embrace discomfort to cultivate Sisu? And how, what can like other, pe- other people from other countries learn from that? Well, first of all, I just want to say that, yeah, definitely CISO is a universal trait. You know, it's not something that we that we only possess. It's just that we have happened to kind of name it, you know, and, and make use of it. I think probably um, you mentioned discomfort. And I think that's a really like, that's a really a key element in, in cultivating some CISO for yourself. And I think one thing that we, we do it is obviously, like I, I already mentioned, the climate that, you know, when, when you live in a place where the the climate is kind of tough for big parts of the year, you kind of have to decide how you're going to let that affect you. And I'm sure this is true for, like I said, all regions in the world where the climate is is a bit of a challenge, is that you learn to to work around it and you learn to 
to not let it dictate what you can and can't do. So that's something I think like we see now, for instance, I mean, we still have winter here. And, you know, it doesn't matter how cold it is. You'll see, you'll see people cycling, you'll see people running, you'll see them obviously skiing and skating and doing all these things. But it's kind of like an everyday thing where you sort of quietly defy, you know, any circumstances that are kind of set against you. <laughs> and also to experience, I think, the joy that lies on the other side of that. You know, that if you, for instance, as a child, I think I mentioned in the book that if you, if you do something that is a bit uncomfortable and maybe you get cold or maybe you get wet or or you know it's it's a bit it's a bit tough you you just feel so much more empowered afterwards and and that's something i notice equally much i think as an adult that it it does me good you know to actually push myself a little even if it's just like a daily discomfort or or like, well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to mention the summer cottage thing <laughs> perhaps <laughs> later on. But that's, uh, that's also a, an aspect of that, that we actually want to spend some of our holidays, you know, in discomfort. <laughs> that's, that's a very Finnish thing. But I think basically, you don't, don't be too soft on yourself. Maybe that's the core message. Don't, don't always go where, where the, the sort of the threshold is the lowest, you know, don't always, don't always be so extra kind to yourself. Like, like try to push yourself a little bit and see what happens. That's, no, and another, yeah. But another, yeah, another takeaway I got from that is that Finns really embrace contrast or extremes. Mm. So as you said, their winters are very cold. It's very mm. dark. And then the summer mm -hmm. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, but like the days are longer and like they embrace that. Uh, but the other thing mm -hmm. you kind of embrace for contrast is you have, well, in America we say sauna, but I've learned that it's sauna. Mm -hmm. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. So you have the sauna culture as well. It's a like in a, you go from yeah. extreme cold to extreme heat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a sauna in your, in your house? your place yeah i mean i live in an apartment building but sure yeah. yeah yeah we do you know you can sign up and you can you can you sort of book a time on saturday or friday or sunday or whenever and you go with your spouse or your family and for an hour or so yeah, yeah. it's wonderful um no i've got a sauna it's one of the biggest oh, oh yeah. great yeah wow. it was one of the biggest the best purchases i've ever made it's fantastic yeah. i love it and it's been great here <laughs> in oklahoma this winter we've had a really mm. tough winter it got a lot of ice and yeah. snow it's like right negative six degrees and it was great to get in oh, the God. sauna and then being there, yeah. it's like 190 degrees and then come out in the air where it's negative six. You're like, this is amazing. It feels yeah. fantastic. Well, you're onto something there. <laughs> yeah, I've developed some sisu. Okay. So that you mentioned the, the cabin culture. I thought this, I didn't know this about Finland. So mm. having a summer cabin is a pretty fairly common thing, but it's not mm. like a cabin where there's electricity and running water. It's just like, it's basically mm. a building with four walls and a roof. Yeah, basically, I mean, for the diehards, I, I, I think I did add, add in the book as well that, you know, of course, things are changing because we are more comfort loving. And I think my generation is and probably the next one even more. But for the, the diehards, yeah, it has to be like a proper like you, it's, it's basically back to nature. You know, that's, that's, and, and like you say, it's a good point, you know, that we always seem to be like, we've had to live with these contrasts, but we all also seem to search them out, I would say, because obviously we have, you know, very comfortable homes in the city or wherever we live, you know, always double glazing and well insulated houses. And, and we're very snug and warm in wintertime and, and all that. But, but then we want this simplicity. We want this feeling of, of coming back to something more primal, I would say, something more 
something that is a lot more connected to nature. And I think to some degree we are, as a people, we are still quite connected to nature or even feeling like a longing for it or a, a, that we belong in nature. And we don't want to to bring all of the, the, the comforts and, you know, perks of modern life into that. We actually want to, you know lead a simple life for a few weeks every summer and and come back refreshed. So yeah, that's a bit weird. No, that's a good point. So this is like, this isn't a cabin you go to just for the weekend. Like they actually, they'll take two or three weeks in the beginning of the summer to do that, right? Oh yeah. And you know, some people, they just want to isolate like completely. They just stay there. They don't want to see anybody. That's, that's their idea of a good summer holiday is that you let your beard grow and you, you walk around in your, your, you know, sweatpants from 10 years ago and, and you do some odd jobs around the summer cabin because there's obviously lots of things to do always, you know, to fix and so on, but not seeing anyone and not, not sort of just kind of really, you know, leading a hermit existence for a few weeks. That's, that's a lot of people, that's their highest dream. That's what they want to do. <laughs> well, so there's, I there's somewhere in between, you know, I don't, I'm not really that hardcore, but. <laughs> well, there's some, there's some takeaways there from the summer cabin thing about other ways you can develop yeah. Sisu. One is that solitude or silence. You talk about that in yeah. the book, the idea of silence. Mm-hmm. Like how, how does silence develops this do you think oh i think i i get really excited about this i even wrote a book about silence specifically last year and because it intrigues me so much but i think when it comes to silence i think basically i mean to siso i think basically what creates siso is kind of this if you go really deep and philosophical it's kind of this inner focus this inner peace and i think I think in order to develop it at all, you kind of have to come face to face with yourself. You have to not be afraid to be, you know, by yourself in silence, at least for like short periods of time. And, you know, I mean, there there used to be a time not that long ago when that was self-evident and people would kind of do that without even thinking. But now, obviously, life looks very different and we have to really commit to having even five minutes of silence in a day, sometimes it it feels like. But I think it's really essential to to sort of just center yourself, to focus. And, you know, people talk about mindfulness and, and all that stuff, and maybe you could call it mindfulness. But for me, it's just... It's just kind of... It's a form of connection, you know? And I don't I don't feel like... I even know what's going on with me, you know, unless I take that time every day because there's so much input. There's... You know, everything from social media to news coverage all the time, and there's pods and radio and there's music playing and, and there's all these these things kind of coming at us, you know, all the time. And I really feel the need personally to to just sit in silence for a bit and and you know figure out what's going on with me and kind of connect with myself. And and that's where I think Sisu starts, you know, that I, I can't really connect with with this inner strength that I have you know, unless I do that. And nature obviously is a really good vehicle for, for bringing out silence because that, you know, you kind of go out there and, and you already, you, you immediately, you're, you're kind of plunged into this, uh, this sense of, you know, peace and, and harmony. And it kind of, yeah, it's, it's just kind of takes care of itself, I think. Sorry for the wrong answer. No, was, I know. I love it. It sounds like you're passionate about this. I am. I am. Yeah. So some so ways to cultivate silence, you know, just kind of disconnect from the internet, from the hive mind, yeah. make moments where you're not yeah. checking your phone all the time. And then yes, also, yeah. yeah, like be alone. Like a sauna is a great place to be alone if you want to. Oh, yeah. But then, yeah, you said nature. Yeah. Mm. 
But the sauna too. I mean, and it's quite meditative, don't you find? I mean, oh, like yes. if you're in there by yourself and in the heat and everything, and you're you find your 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 thoughts kind of slowing down, and you're thinking about nothing in particular, and it's just the most wonderful feeling. No, it's <laughs> I, I I love it. Um, yeah, so you mentioned great. nature. I mean, so Finns, I, I imagine they love to hike, love to snowshoe, they love to be outdoors, no matter what yeah. the weather is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. No such thing as bad weather. Yeah, just bad yeah absolutely. Clothes, yeah, basically. and the Swedes have a saying like that too. So you know, I think it goes for all the Nordics because, you know, we've kind of been faced with a choice that either we kind of just sit on our couch for half of the year, or <laughs> we decide that we're going to go out there no matter what. You know, um, I have my limits. I mean, for now, for, for instance, right now we've had like really, really icy weather for about two days, and I've tried not to go out because I really hate it when it's that slippery. But but that's my only like that's my only exception. You know, otherwise I will I will go out no matter what the weather. Okay, so other some Nordic countries like have an idea. So like we talked about, we've had Mike Viking on the podcast talk about Huga. I think it's mm-hmm. from uh, yeah, yeah. Denmark. Do the Finns have a similar concept to that? Like, there's like an opposite of Sisu that like if you if you experience Sisu, you can enjoy this feeling of I don't know comfort or coziness. I don't know what is there something like that. <laughs> Well, I think they're, I don't think they're related concepts necessarily. I've, I know Mike, actually, we, we did this like speaking engagement together, like a panel for a few years ago. And, and it was really interesting to contrast <laughs> these different ideas that we have in the Nordics. But I think, I mean, we have Hygge as well. Of course, you know, who doesn't like to, to cuddle up, you know, with a, under a blanket and light some candles and, <laughs> and drink a, a glass of wine. I mean, of course we, we enjoy that. And, and I think that's something that you need to, you, you can't neglect that either, especially in winter time. You, you have to, you know, because you, you will still be spending a lot of time indoors and you have to make yourself cozy. So I wouldn't say necessarily that Sisu is something that makes you cozy, but we just kind of, you know, we, we easily borrow from our neighbors and I think <laughs> they borrow from us as well. So, okay. Some things to cultivate Sisu, embrace discomfort, get outside, mm. embrace silence, disconnect. Yeah. So you can tap into that inner strength, inner reservoir strength. Then you also, mm. in the book, you talk about how there's a Sisu way, you, you, you make the case that there's a Sisu way of communicating. So yeah. what is that? What is it? What how do Finns communicate and how is... Sisu influence that? Well, I think, I think we, we're kind of, we're known as being fairly blunt and unsmiling. <laughs> I don't necessarily count myself in among that, but, but, you know, as a, as a people, but, but behind that bluntness, you know, is, is a real love of honesty and being genuine and being authentic and speaking the truth. And I have a chapter in the book about business negotiations because this is where I've observed it close hand, you know, how how Finns negotiate and what what is different in our culture. And I think I think there is just a value of being a straight talker and of being very upfront about issues and problems, for instance, in in a business, you know, because obviously naming the problem is is like really necessary in, in order to be able to to start work on it. So I think I think that's the CISO thing, you know, it's an integrity thing. And and also we really mean what we say, you know, in Finland. And and there's this like I don't I don't mean to say that other peoples don't, but but there is a culture, you know, where you have these phrases that don't necessarily mean very much. A, a classic one I think is, you know, the American who comes and you you know, you you run into him in the street and he's like, Oh, this is so nice to see you. Let's meet up sometime. <laughs> You know, and the Finn will immediately bring out his calendar and go, okay, when? <laughs> <laughs> Calling you know? us on our bluff. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 the American will be embarrassed, and the Finn will be like, "But you said you wanted to meet up. I thought you were sincere," you know. So, so, so it's it's those kind of kind of funny situations that occur. So we we don't really understand that kind of we we don't really do small talk, you know, and we don't necessarily have all these nice phrases and that that tend to you know fill out things and and perhaps make people more comfortable i don't know but the upside i would argue is that when when we speak you know that we speak the truth and if a finn is your friend then he's going to be your friend for life and he's going to stick by you and you know so it's it's all that that sort of putting a lot of value on being authentic and genuine and being being honest and that your handshake and that your word really should mean something that's that's very CISO and that's very much i think part of how we communicate, you know, both in business and and sort of at a state level, you know, he- with heads of state and, and so on. So that's something that really runs through uh, also our personal communication. Well, I imagine too, Sisu helps Finns have those hard conversations that other people would mm-hmm. want to avoid. So you're like, nope, what's this? I got to have Sisu here, dig deep, have some <laughs> yeah. grit, and let's say, yeah. let's have this uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we've had some peace brokers, like some some successful ones, have come from Finland. You know, because if you're sitting there with two warring parties, you know, at the same table, I think you have to just call a spade a spade and and kind of be very blunt and upfront about what the issues are, and and that's where the Finnishness kind of helps. <laughs> so we had a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who are parents. And I know mm. a lot of parents, particularly in America, they're concerned about, they want their kids to be resilient. They want them to not, you know, be burdened by anxiety or things like that. So mm. what do you think American parents or, you know, Canadian, British, I don't know, whoever, South Africa, I don't know, whoever's listening to this, Japan, mm. what can we learn from the Finns on how to foster Sisu in our children? Mm. That's a good question. Yeah, I think I think one phrase that I used in the book was cheerful empowerment, <laughs> which I, th- I feel is something that my parents did for me is that, you know, they, when I would be whining and complaining and not wanting to do things, they would, they would just have this fairly cheerful approach and be like, oh, it's not that bad. And you'll like it when you're out there. And, you know, like if it's too cold, just keep moving. <laughs> and, and all those things that I feel like I'm much obliged to them for for having done that because, because they knew that I could do it. You know, it's more of a s- kind of instilling in the child a sense of belief in themselves. And of course, that's, you know, sometimes easier said than done. But I think I think part of it is is allowing kids a little bit of freedom. And I know that this is really a tricky one because you know there are so many dangers lurking out there and obviously you know if you be if you live in a big city anywhere in the world you can't just let your kids go out and play anywhere or just say oh come back by 5 you know or whatever. So so I I know it's it's a big challenge but I think at least in principle you know to try to allow them some freedom to try to allow them to to get some scrapes and bruises and to to maybe fall off their bike or or, or fall off uh, fall down <laughs> from a tree if not too high. But but you know to kind of just maybe let them discover their own inner strength in a way because it's not something that they can really figure out if they don't ever do anything or if they're never allowed to do anything and or to try their own boundaries and and see what they're actually capable of so it's it's really difficult it's a it's a very sort of shaky line to walk i, I know that but I, I think that that's that's probably what lies at the heart of finnish like how how we raise our children is is that that principle 
a sort of, you know, supervised freedom, but freedom. Yeah. So I mean, like, do like parents just like say, get out of the house and kids can go explore wherever they want and just like be back by dinner time? Is that kind of how it is? Yeah. 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 I mean, I grew up in the countryside and it was definitely like that. Like my mom would, would say, <laughs> I have two older brothers and, and she was a bit more cautious with me, she said. But with them, it was just like, you know, she wouldn't know where they were. They were like gone the whole day. And <laughs> she, she was all oh, there with their friends somewhere. And this was, you know, way before more cell phones or anything like that. And, and she would just be like, well, if, you know, they're supposed to turn up by five, if they don't turn up by six, then maybe I'll start to ring around, you know, their friends' parents. <laughs> so, so, you know, that, that sense of like, you know, not neglect by any means, but, but just a sense of ease, perhaps, that, that they're going to be fine. And I actually think that kids are a lot more resilient than we give them credit for a lot of the time. You know, that they're not, you know, they won't break or they won't melt if, if it rains on them <laughs> a little bit. You know, that, that kind of thinking, that, that's very Finnish, I think, and, and very Sisal. Another thing you talked about, your mom would say to you like, when you were kind of timid yeah. about something, it was like something like go boldly or do it boldly. Yeah. I really yeah, liked that. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she would say that. Yeah, rohkeastivan, which means to just boldly now, basically. Boldly and, now, and yeah. Boldly now, yeah, just just go for it, you know. And I, it was me on my ice skates when I was four. But yeah, it's it's a really good principle, I think. I, I still keep that, you know, in, in mind. I still have that phrase in the back of my head, you know, that just, just go for it. And I think, I would think that's a very American um, notion as well, to, to not let your fears decide, you know, what you, what you're going to do. Well, Joanna, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the book and the rest of your work? Um, well, basically I'm, I'm not very active on social media, I'm afraid, but I do have social media accounts. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. The book you can basically buy wherever books are sold online and in the States it's distributed by running press. But yeah, I, I think it's not, it's not a, a hard book to find. Well, fantastic. Well, yeah, it's not having social media presence. That's very, very sissu. <laughs> well, I, I do, but you know, I'm not very active and I don't know. I don't want to be, I don't want to, I'm not an influencer, you know, in that sort of social <laughs> media sense, but I do hope to influence people, you know, via my books and my writing and, and so on. But yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Well, Joanna, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Brett, so much. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks. My guest today was Joanna Nyland. She's the author of the book, Sisu, The Finnish Art of Courage. It's available on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Make sure to check out our show notes at aom.is slash sisu. We can find links to resources. We can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanless.com where you can find our podcast archives as well as thousands of articles rewritten over the years about pretty much anything you think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLINESS at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, this is Brett McKay. Remind you not only to listen to the AOM podcast, but put what you've heard into action. <laughs>